What's up, Hooked On Sports listeners? Welcome back to Hooked On Sports. Believe it or not, this is episode number 96 of Hooked On Sports, so we are creeping up on 100 podcasts of of this great of this great podcast. So we, I can't believe we're getting this milestone very uh, very closely. But my my name is John Flynn, and thank you so very much for listening in to uh, uh to uh, to another uh, and get ready for another action packed a f- full edition of of sports takes from the world of sports. And we have a lot to get into this week. We're going to get into ev- everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the uh, the NFL draft. We're going to get into some of the uh, the playoff races in the East. We're going to get into the playoff races in the West. So we have a lot to get into on that front. We're going to get into some late-breaking news in the National Hockey League. We're going to get into some... Yankees Astros so we we have a lot to get into but the main story to uh, th- this week is is the relationship uh, of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers going south so Aaron Rodgers dropped a bomb on draft day that that was confirmed by ESPN's Adam Schefter that said his relationship with the Packers has gone so south that he told teammates that he does not want to play for the team this se- in the 2021 season, nor does he intend to. And uh, and he also said a, a way to potentially salvage the relationship is firing Packers general manager Brian Gunenkust. And uh, and th- this bomb was dropped about four hours before the start of the first round on Thursday night. And look lo- look at it this way. It's over for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. There is no way you could look at the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and say that their relationship is salvageable. The Green Bay Packers, one of the greatest franchises in all of sports, has gone incredibly south in a 14-month span. And and all this is on Brian Gutenkust. Brian Gutenkust's short-sighted, clueless decision to not only draft Rodgers' replacement in the first round in Jordan Love, and uh, and if you if you listen to my NFL mock draft podcast last year, I told you Jordan Love was going to be picked by the Packers. Not only did he draft his replacement, they traded up to draft uh, Jordan Love, a project quarterback. A project quarterback was drafted by by the Green Bay Packers in the first round when Aaron Rodgers uh, is, was on the team as well. So, Aaron Rodgers has proven to be a historically great, a transcendentally talented quarterback. But, unfortunately for Mr. Rodgers, the Packers have never drafted a first-round offensive skill position player, which is running back, wide receiver, or tight end, whatever, since he was drafted with the 24th overall selection in the 2005 draft. The Green Bay Packers have lost touch with reality over the last 13 months. Yeah, sure, the Packers went 13-3 and last season. Aaron Rodgers is coming off arguably the best season of his legendary career. Career highs in touchdown passes, completion percentage, quarterback rating. 
But the way the Packers botched a winnable NFC Championship game had to make Aaron Rodgers piss, you know. Matt LaFleur kicking the field goal down by eight and inside the five-yard line with two minutes left with Tom Brady looming on the other sidelines. Of course the Packers lost the game there, and that was my reaction the moment he decided to bring bring the field goal unit on uh, in that moment. It, this is a combination of everything. Coaches, front office, ownership. They've really dropped the ball on the whole operation. And they cost themselves a, ch- a championship last year. They would have beaten Kansas City in the Super Bowl last year with Kansas City's injuries. And it's the reason Aaron Rodgers right now only has one championship ring. And by the way, let's look at the, let's look at this year's draft. The Packers drafted Eric Stokes, a quarterback from Georgia with the 29th overall pick. Eric Stokes. Eric freaking Stokes was the draft pick. Eric Stokes. Not only was Eric Stokes a reach, I thought there were there were about three, four, or five corners better than him available. And he and he wasn't even the best corner from his own team available in the draft. Uh, Tyson Campbell was better and he was taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars a few picks later. And I thought I thought for sure Asante Samuel was going to be available. I thought I I, I thought uh, that he uh, he was going uh, gonna go for someone like Aaron Robinson. And by and by the way, Aaron Robinson fell all the way to to seventy one, where the Giants traded up. And I thought the Giants had a very good draft. And I'll get to the Giants in a little bit. But some scouts thought he had third round value. But once again, the whole premise of talking about Eric Stokes is that the Packers didn't help Aaron Rodgers' concerns whatsoever. Again, not drafting a skill player on offense to surround him in the first round. Also, how about this too? The Packers, <laughs> this this is some troll job by by blood on your hands, Brian Gunnikest. The Packers traded up to draft the wide receiver whose last name is Rodgers. Clemson wideout Amari Rodgers, that is, in the third round, and... We also know that Jordan Love is going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers down the road, maybe as early as next year, because they, they made the pick. They have absolutely no choice but but to give him a chance to be the Packers' starting quarterback, because the Packers gave him draft picks to get him. But the difference here, and, and, this, and this is a funny comparison, right? The Giants drafted Daniel Jones to replace Eli Manning, and Jordan Love to replace Aaron Rodgers. The differences between those scenarios could not <laughs> could not have been more clear. Well, first of all, let's talk about the Giants and the uh, the Giants uh, needed a franchise quarterback because Eli Manning was past his prime, and it was it was quite apparent that Giants needed to draft a new franchise quarterback. And I disagree with the approach, but the Giants needed a new franchise quarterback. Go to taking Daniel Jones with pick seventeen instead of pick number six, and. But who, who knows what, uh, how differently the Giants uh, could have been had they not uh, taken Daniel Jones with the seventy with the sixth overall pick in twenty nineteen. I thought that that was that was a, a rough decision by Dave Gettleman and and what and Daniel Jones has one more year to prove himself before the Giants need to make some changes. Uh, l- but let's go to the Packers situation. The Green Bay Packers did not need a quarterback, even though the numbers weren't as high and. In 2019, for Aaron Rodgers, mainly because Matt Lafleur wanted to run the football more a couple years ago, and 
But did Matt LaFleur and or Brian Gunicus not see Aaron Rodgers' highlight reel over his NFL career? The master of Hail Marys. Remember him throwing three Hail Marys in a 14-month span. One against Detroit, one against Arizona, and one against the Giants in the playoffs. One of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. The Packers didn't need Jordan Love. So, of course, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers needed to understand last year that the dynamic between player and front office relationships has shifted in the last 10 to 20 years. And all of the headlines about the Packers going into draft night were made possible because because Brian Gutekunst traded up and drafted Jordan Love. The Green Bay Packers and the Packers alone are responsible for this pathetic, embarrassing dumpster fire. Now, I thought there were a lot of teams that that had fantastic drafts, and and some apologies to not making the 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 two I'm going to talk about in detail. This is an apology going out to the Giants. This is an apology going out to the Atlanta Falcons. This is an apology going out to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the and and the Jets. But the two teams that I thought won this draft were the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, there are people that will vehemently disagree with me on this take, given uh, given uh, maybe the talent potential, given uh, given the player value. But I thought the Dallas Cowboys hit the draft out of the park. I emphasized three weeks ago on this podcast, so much so that I recorded a video edition of my take on the Dallas Cowboys and what they needed to do in the in the draft and. In the first round, I, I wanted the Cowboys to pick one of the following three players, Patrick Sertain, Greg Rousseau, and, and Micah Parsons. And not only did they tr- trade down a couple of picks, so the, uh, uh, because the Eagles wanted to trade up and draft Devontae Smith, they drafted Micah Parsons with the 12th overall pick, and they got an extra third-round pick back in return. And all in all, they, 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 I thought they improved in all three areas of defense. I, they, they upgraded the corner, but with, by drafting Calvin Joseph with the 44th overall pick, which is significant given that their two initial draft targets, Chasey Horn and Patrick Sertan, were taken right before the, the Cowboys pick at eight and nine. Carolina took Chasey Horn at eight, and Denver took Patrick Sertan at nine. But I thought they did a really good job uh, also taking two defensive linemen in the third round. They, I, th- I also think they got a big-time steal in Jabril Cox in round number four when he had second or third round value. And I believe this was a tremendous, tremendous draft for the Cowboys because, let's be honest here, I was ballistic. On, on the Cowboys approach the last 10 years. And I never, never in a million years touched the Dallas Cowboys as, as a team that could go to the Super Bowl and win it. Be, uh, because, uh, because of the plan, because of the approach, because, um, uh, because they, when, when they didn't have players on, on, on offense, they had the players on defense. And when they didn't, when, when they had the players on offense, uh, like 2020, they didn't have the players on the defense. But something feels different about the Dallas Cowboys, and and after years of of, of tough talk on the Cowboys, and, and and this doesn't come from just me as a Giants fan, but 
something feels different about the Cowboys now. And I finally believe that the Dallas Cowboys have a plan in place to win a Super Bowl. That it, 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 This is not going to be a completely uh, finished or polished product. I think they're going to need to replace their aging offensive line in, in, in next year's draft. I think the defense will need some more time to develop. But to me, the process is finally what you want if you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, given that, that uh, this is given that the team has a four-year window to win, uh, given the contracts of Dak Prescott that runs through 2024, Amari Cooper's contract runs through 2024, Zeke Elliott's contract runs through the same time frame, to build the rest of a championship-caliber roster through through the draft. And we, 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 we saw signings of this last year. As well, they uh, because they they lost a lot of talent following the 2019 season because the Cowboys had had a slew of free agents and they decided to to put their attention on offense instead of defense. But you 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 draft you you draft uh, Trevon Diggs in the second round last year. You draft Calvin Joseph in the first round uh, th- this year. The the the, the that um, Trevon Diggs and Kelvin Joseph, they have a chance to be a dynamic duo of corners that 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 can uh, that can grow together. They, they they can learn from each other. They they can they can improve together, and and I think that's what the Cowboys uh, want uh, from, from their uh, from their defense and. And, and and when you also look at the, the big picture with the, with the division, I I thought Washington was eh in the draft. I mean. That what would the, I, the Giants are going to learn a lot about their quarterback situation in 2021, and I also think that the uh, I also think the Eagles, even uh, even though they they had a solid draft, I still think uh, there are ways to go in, in their search of going back to the playoffs. So I think the Cowboys have finally had a smart, calculated, and and. and, and and an effective draft strategy, and I think they executed it brilliantly. So I I, I think there's going going to be a lot. Of, there should be a lot of praise for the Dallas Cowboys, even though a lot of experts are di- disagreeing with me on this. Given given some of the things they did, and and one other thing I want to talk about that yes, Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker who whom Dallas took at number twelve, I he he does come in with some character beef. But I don't think it's relevant to the discussion right now. We're going to have to see if my if Micah Parsons can can clear his character out. But I'm going to stress the positive for the Dallas Cowboys, and I think Cowboys fans need me to stress the positive. So that's what I'm going to do for the fans of the Dallas Cowboys. The second team that I thought won the draft. The LA Chargers. I absolutely loved what the Chargers and Tom Telesco did in this draft to solidify the team around Justin Herbert. And the, and the first two picks said it all. They they drafted Rashawn Slater, the Northwestern offensive tackle, the stud offensive tackle, who I thought was going to be gone by pick number nine. He he was available with the thirteenth overall pick and. Uh, and the Chargers pounced on him and, and took the second best lineman in this year's draft with, with 13th overall pick. They also took Florida State corner Asante Samuel Jr. with the 47th pick in, in, in their second round. Those were two needs 
of the Chargers going in. Starting left tackle and a starting corner. And they got great value for both of them too. They did not have to trade up to acquire those pieces. And I thought the Chargers... Uh, g- given the circumstance, had a great offseason fixing an offensive line by bringing in uh, Corey Lindsley to play center and Rashawn Slater to play left tackle. Those are two significant upgrades, and that's news Justin Herbert can sing to. And also, Asante Samuel was a terrific pick at 47. I would just want to get that out there. Now, there were other corners available in a draft, uh, and this draft featured a lot of corners, and a lot of corners w- were available early on. But given that a ton, uh, given that a ton of corners were off the board, they, they needed to find who they thought was the best available corner at forty seven, and I thought they got tremendous value out of it in in Asante Samuel Jr. And I also love the approach uh, because Tom Telesco knows his, knows his coach as well. That given Brandon Staley coached up the league's best defense a year ago with the Rams, the Chargers emphasized defense late. And I love what the Chargers did uh, with that. And Tom Telesco knew that was a strategy worth taking because he hired Brandon Staley to be a defensive coach. And and when when you look at it from, from the perspective of the Chargers, I think this is a team that can go to the playoffs. And 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 I think the, one of the Cinderella teams in in the AFC this year. I think you have to believe it's the Chargers and. It's, uh, and so, the Cowboys and the Chargers, to me, won the draft. I also think the Patriots did well by uh, by waiting to draft Mac Jones. I I, uh, I think the Bears, uh, they need they needed to draft the quarterback, and I thought that was a great trade by both teams, uh, but more specifically for the Giants, because the Giants get another uh, get another first-round pick in, in next year's draft, which is going to be loaded with talent because of of the COVID situation and a lot of players opting in to improve their draft uh, prospects. So, so I thought a lot of teams did, did really well, but there were a couple of teams that, that I really, really scratched my head upon. So I, the, the two teams I want to look, look more closely at for, for this are the Las Vegas Raiders and the New Orleans Saints. And I want to start with the Raiders because the the Raiders drafts the last three years ha- have been shocking, and, and every year I, I when I when I was when I was an adolescent when I was a teenager and and a, and a young adult that and this was until Mike Mayock became uh, became the Raiders GM I always watched the the, the NFL Network. Uh, uh, coverage of the draft because uh, of uh, of Mike Mayock and, and his draft board and uh, and his draft analysis. But what the Raiders have done the last three years, uh, th- they they have they have been some uh, some d- disappointments. Um, uh, it's, it starts with especially their first round picks over the last three years. They uh, the the Raiders drafted. Um, um, Kellen Farrell in 2019 with the number four overall pick. Then, th- then they t- had two first round picks last year. They had the, um, uh, they they picked Henry Ruggs. They picked Damon Arnett, and they've all been uh, they've all been uh, below average. Um, so I, I I was I was wrong on Henry Ruggs. I thought he was the best natural fit for, uh, to solve the Raiders' wide receiver problems and. Damon Arnett has not uh, was a reason why the Raiders' defense was so bad last year, 
And then they take um, Alabama tackle Alex Leatherwood. Now, to be fair to the process, I knew the team was going to be desperate for an offensive lineman. And I had Alex Leatherwood going to the Chargers at 19, the Chargers after a trade down. But the Raiders picking him at 17, I mean... Did, did, did the Raiders not think there was going to be another tackle besides uh, Sewell and Slayer that were going to be taken ahead of Leatherwood? Well, that that's what happened. The Jets traded up and drafted um, uh, Ali Vera Tucker, and 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 Christian Darasol was still available. Uh, the Vikings took him at twenty three, even though I had Darasol going to Minnesota at fourteen, but. I, I'm very uh, perplexed by, by what the Raiders have done. And I, th- I thought when, when the Raiders uh, hired Gruden, when they hired Mayock, I thought this was going to be that, that, um, that fantastic um, media-forced uh, power couple um, uh, that, 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 would, that would drive the course of the NFL for years to come. But but some of the things uh, uh, that uh, about this shocked me, and uh, I I over I overvalued Leatherwood a little bit as well. I mean Daniel Jeremiah of of the outstanding NFL.com analyst had him as the 62nd ranked prospects. The end of round two, the end of round two, and um and they they also drafted. Um, a th- a three four outside linebacker uh, to uh, to play defensive end in a four three system in Malcolm Kunsi. That makes absolutely no sense. Uh, th- then then they added a couple of, a couple of safeties. Then 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 they drafted a corner with their fifth round pick. The Trevon Morrig, the the Texas Christian safety. That that sounds like a good pick. But nothing the Raiders uh, did to me was uh, in the draft was inspiring to say the least, and and, and, I, and I think the Raiders are were, were one of the teams that that fell south very quickly in, in the course of a you know six month span. There was a point in time where the Raiders were six and three; they were sitting pretty in the playoff spot. But then, yeah, you know the they the the they they lost. A big time to the Falcons. The the Jets gave uh, gifted them a win, and they and the, and the Raiders weren't particularly uh, a good team afterwards. After that, either they lose to the Chargers, they lose to Miami, they lose to the Indianapolis Colts, and and then then after what the Raiders uh, lost in, in free agency, this is how they replace them. I totally totally disagree with 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 the Raiders' approach here when it comes to the NFL draft. And finally, the other team I want to I want to get into is the New Orleans Saints, and th- there was a lot of uh, 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 um, uh, a lot a lot of talk about the Saints uh, go- going into the draft because um, because what is a post Drew Brees outlook uh, going to be with Drew Brees no longer a part of the Saints, no longer in the NFL? So how are the Saints? Uh, how, how do the Saints approach this? Well. They 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 took Houston defensive end Peyton Turner with the twentieth overall pick, and, and I and I I talked with my friend who is a Saints fan at, at um at, at the end of the draft, and my first reaction 
when when they drafted Pete Werner or when they drafted um, Pete Werner was their second round pick. But they, when when they drafted uh, Peyton Turner, I I I thought that was a reach. I thought that was a reach, and 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 my my friend t- told me that they needed a corner more than a defensive end because they they just lost Trey Hendrickson, but um, but um. Obviously, the, uh, I I'm trying to figure out what, what the Saints' approach here was, but other things the Saints did was the, they they drafted Pete Werner, the Ohio State linebacker. Maybe he'll be someone that can uh, that that can replace Hendrickson. Um, but I also like that that the Saints drafted Ian Book, the Notre Dame quarter, but. I, I just did, did not did not like the, the Saints' approach whatsoever, and and, and when, when you're coming from a perspective of of tr- trying to build a team around around, around the offense with with Jameis Winston potentially being the Week One starter or potentially Taysom Hill becoming a full time starter as we as the Saints hinted at a little bit last year, I just don't think uh, the, the the Saints made a lot of sense with with this draft and. And and you want to compete with Brady and the Bucks? I just don't think that that's the type of draft that'll get the job done. So we're gonna get into some uh, uh, some NBA. We're gonna get into some Major League Baseball. So uh, so let let's get right to those two topics, shall we? So I've been watching a lot of basketball the last couple of nights. So I wanted to give you uh, some some takes here because. I want to start with 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 the power structure of the Eastern Conference, and, and this has to do with the uh, with with the um, with with the top with the Brooklyn Nets. So last so the last two days, the Milwaukee uh, the last two games, the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday and Tuesday defeated the Brooklyn Nets by a three point margin and a six point margin. Still, no James Harden uh, due to hamstring injury, so uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving carried the show in Brooklyn. While Milwaukee, I I think you have to give Milwaukee a a lot of credit here for uh, getting the wins done. So now you have a Milwaukee team um, with so with with Giannis, with with Chris Middleton, with Drew Holiday, and the the way they won those games uh, earlier. this week, and and I want to look particularly at the game last night. So it was a back and forth affair that the that the Nets were down ten early in the second half, and then they then they eventually came back and took a lead into the fourth quarter. But but then Milwaukee strung together a lot of inside shots. They were able to go inside on on Brooklyn's defense and and. And, and they 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 uh they they had tremendous shot selection and Chris Middleton dominated late. Yeah, Giannis couldn't be stopped late, and and of course Drew Holiday put put down a bunch of threes and a couple of nifty assists in the second half as well. So so when you look at the Milwaukee, when you look at Brooklyn. There have only been seven games this whole season where the big, the Nets' big three of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving have all played together. Seven, just seven, and and their injury, their injuries have overlapped each other's injuries. That that 
Uh, Kyrie Irving took a couple of pauses due, due to play related, uh, to uh, personal matters. James Harden uh, had the had the hamstring injury, uh, uh, among others, and and Kevin Durant it, uh, uh, had injuries as well, and also a couple of, of rounds of COVID, which which caused him to be on the sidelines even further. But 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 the entire premise of this is that. Uh, how are the Nets going to win a championship? How, you, how can you look at the, the way the Nets play defense, and and and, and they're they're just not going for the rebounds. They're, they're not doing the, the little things uh, right, or they don't, or maybe they don't even care to do the little things right. How is this team going to win a championship? Let, let's be brutally honest with ourselves. Let let's see how brutally honest we can be. Is this a championship winning team? Uh, uh, do, do the Nets have the grit? Do they have the toughness to uh, to beat a team like Milwaukee? Do they, do uh, can they beat a team like the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs? I haven't seen any evidence they can do that. I have not seen a, a way where you know, where where the where the Nets uh, as as great as, as they can be offensively uh, when when the three of them are healthy. Can they beat Giannis and the Bucks when it matters the most? Can they beat Philadelphia when it matters the most? Or if the Nets become the one seed, uh, or, or or somehow find a way to be to be the number one seed, could they win a second round series against John Collins, Trey Young, and the Atlanta Hawks, or against Tom Thibodeau and, and the Knicks, and, and Julius Randle and, and all those cool cats that 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 are playing at the Garden uh, this year? I don't see it. If, if if the Nets are going to were, were planning on winning the championship, uh, they they needed a laser focused approach the the entire way. Just focus on basketball, fo- focus on, on on winning the games you need to, uh, to to assure yourselves an easier path throughout the NBA playoffs. Because essentially, the, the Nets have taken the opposite approach. Sure. Yeah, you, you could tell me that there are 20 games over 500. I don't give a damn right now. The Brooklyn Nets, and I've been screaming this all year. I have, I did not take the cheese on Brooklyn at the start of the season before the, the trade of, of James Harden. And, and you, you could look at, at, at who, who they traded to, uh, they gave away to get James Harden. That Karis LeVert, he, he's lighting it up right now for Indiana. Jared Allen, he's lighting it up right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So there are a lot of problems uh, uh, that that the Brooklyn Nets are neglecting, and this is proof why the Nets will always be second fiddle in in New York to the Knicks. Disasters like these, soap opera drama like this. And remember, I I placed the soap opera uh, soap opera drama uh, on the Brooklyn Nets when when they traded for James Harden, Th- that there would be three divas in in Brooklyn. The, the three amigos are divas in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Is, is that what, is that what, what those guys want to be? be? Because I, I, because I'll tell you one thing. The, the, the Nets right now are, are, are an utter and mess. They, they don't care about winning. And, and people should be actively rooting against the Brooklyn Nets by any stretch of the imagination. So, so now we now we get into the, the Nets. How about the Knicks? How about the New York Knicks? They won twelve of their last thirteen games, 
uh, th- th- they've been the best team in the NBA for, uh, in, in the last month. And and, and the, the, the Knicks, uh, uh, the New York Knicks, I, I can't believe, I, when I looked at, at the power rankings uh, on Monday, uh, th- uh, I went when they came, when they come out once a week, as you usually do, uh, the, uh, th- they all put the Knicks at the top 10. And I'm thinking, seriously? Wait, what? Are the Knicks really that? Yeah! The Knicks are one of the 10 best teams in the NBA! Just, just look it up. Offensively, def- uh, offensively, especially in the last month, they are still the number one scoring defense in the NBA based on points per game allowed. They are, so, uh, although, although you, you, ha- you have to fa- factor in to be fair that that they play fewer possessions because they wanted to play a slower type of defense compared to other teams in the NBA. But yeah, the Knicks are a team that 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 is to be reckoned with, and and uh, at the start of today's action, the 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 Knicks sit right now as the four seed. They are, uh, but they're, they're still seven games behind uh, Philadelphia for the top spot in, in the Eastern Conference. So they're not going to catch the Knicks, the Nets, or the Milwaukee Bucks in the standings. But right now they are a game and a half ahead of Atlanta, two ahead in the loss column. They are two and a half ahead of Miami, three three uh, three in the loss column, and three games ahead of the Boston Celtics for. Avoiding uh, uh, the the dreaded NBA play in action uh, that that commences in in thirteen days. So so what what type of team uh, do uh, uh, is, is are the Knicks going to be? Well, we, we we've already seen uh, that the Knicks can can can, can put up with some of the best uh, te- teams in the league. That they they beat Utah earlier in the year. They they went toe to toe with Phoenix. It, it was the one game they lost in the last thirteen game. But 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 F- Phoenix is a tremendous team, and 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 they've beaten a lot of uh, really solid ball clubs. In, in the, in down, down the stretch here, they, uh, and that, this, this excludes Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, if they were combined one and eight against them. But the games they're supposed to win, uh, you, 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 you can look at previous Knicks teams, and, and say that, and that the Knicks, uh, would, would, would fade out in the second half due, due, due to coaching and schedule and all that. Um, no! Did, did you see the Knicks on Monday night against the team, like the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, that that's trying uh, trying to barely get in to uh, to the Western Conference playing uh, playing tournament. Golden State Warriors fans thank the Knicks on on Monday night for pummeling, destroying, and and and, and making them quit. I mean, I mean the, the coach was taken out of the game, uh, was thrown out of the game. John Morant was ejected from the game on Monday night. That that was just tremendous, tremendous stuff for. Uh, for the New York Knicks, but now this is where the uh, the Knicks will be tested. So that this is the tonight's game against Denver is Game Three of a critical six game road trip that has been looming on their schedule since it was it was released back back uh, back right before the All Star break. That that the, the, the next three next four team, uh, teams they play. Are teams that that would that would that would be in the first round of the round of sixteen if the season were to end today, the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, the the L.A. Clippers, and the L.A. Lakers. And first of all, th- all those games are going to be fantastic games. 
and make no mistake about it, it, it it's not going to be an easy uh, game for any of these uh, four teams because of of how well the Knicks have been playing defensively, and especially since Nerlens Noel is going to be back from injury. Uh, 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 he's uh, coming off injury tonight, which is huge. Uh, tr- trying to uh, for him trying to guard Nikola Jokic, who I believe uh, is is the NBA MVP at the, uh, when, when it's all said and done. Given how uh, given how the voters usually uh, react to things, but you you can argue Jokic uh, has an MVP case. You can argue that uh, in in the West that. Chris Paul has an MVP case, and uh, and if if fans were to be honest, CP3 uh, has uh, has been made cases for league MVP throughout his entire career. When you look at what he did with New Orleans, what he did with the Clippers, what he did with the Houston Rockets before he injured his hamstring in the Western Conference Finals, you you could look at all all those factors. Uh, but but I, right now I I think Jokic is right now number one, and and um. Number two is CP3. But from a Knicks perspective, all the Knicks have to do uh, to make this road trip a successful one is win one of those four games. All you gotta do is win one of those four games. And I think you, you call this, you call the road trip a success. Now, is it going to be enough? Is, is a three and three road trip going to be enough to, to hold off to teams like Atlanta, Miami, Boston, for uh, for the final spot uh, for the for the a uh, four seed in, in the East, that remains to be seen. I think you have to imagine all three uh, of their schedules are easier than the Knicks. Uh, uh, but uh, all the Knicks really have to do is win one of those three games, and then the, the end of the season they have a, a three game homestand against San Antonio. And if the season would end today, San Antonio would be in the last playoff spot. But then they're home against Charlotte, and then they're home against the Boston Celtics the last day of the season. So, but th- those games could potentially be big in terms of of the seeding in the Eastern Conference. But all the Knicks really have to do is, uh, because they beat Houston, because they beat Memphis, all they got to do is win one of those last three uh, road games. And I think you call it, uh, I'll call it a success. So... Then, then imagine the Knicks advancing to the playoffs further than the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, how embarrassing would that be uh, if, if you are a fan of the Brooklyn Nets to to see what what they all what what uh, to see the, the the talent they added in the last twenty four months with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, only to see the Knicks. The new, the crosstown rival Knicks, who they always view as the big brother, the the the, uh, the Knicks who had no business of being in the playoffs at the start of the season, wind up advancing farther than, than the Brooklyn Nets. Imagine that. Imagine, and 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 I think Knicks fans need need to dream here, and and, and we're we'll gonna get into James uh, Jim Dolan talks here in, in just a little bit concerning the other team he owns. But but uh but the, the there, there's a lot to celebrate if you're the Knicks and, and the, the Knicks have uh, pieces in place to go forward, and and that's a great thing for, for the Knicks. So, uh, so now on to on to the West. I want to want to look at some things with with the West because there there is a there, there is a a uh, there is a a race going on for just. To uh, f- first of all, to avoid the playing game for for certain teams, and, and to get into the playing game, uh, playing mounds for for teams. So, 
the, the so right now as it stands right now the the Suns and Jazz are tied in the standings. Um, the Clippers are three and a half back. The, the Nuggets are four back. So, so, so those are going to be the, the the top four seeds in the Western Conference. But 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 the the battle to avoid the the playing game between the Dallas Mavericks, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Portland Trailblazers, I think that's going to be. Uh, fascinating as well because the, the 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 Lakers just like the Knicks they 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 have to play I still believe they have to play Phoenix they they still have to play Portland I still the, the Lakers still have to play the Knicks um but but Dallas the Lakers and Portland are playing in, in a tremendous race to avoid avoid that 7 seed but but the Lakers in the developing story with the LeBron recently coming back from a high ankle sprain. He is not going to be available for the for the back to back tomorrow and Friday against the Clippers and the Blazers. And uh, it, it, is there a lot of concern for the Lakers? I mean, sure, yes, there should be concern, but because they're playing teams uh, that that could potentially hamper the Lakers into into playing that 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 um. The uh, in into that uh, into that playing tournament. So, but the the thing also the thing about the Lakers is if the LeBron knows he needs to be one hundred percent for 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 the Lakers to win a championship, and if if LeBron returns one hundred percent before the playoffs begin, it is the case. I I think you have to take the Lakers the rest of the way, and I, and you can not pick the Lakers to win every single playoff series because. Of the impact of LeBron James uh, uh, in the playoffs, so that that's a story to be seen. And how about the Golden State Warriors? And and more of an individual perspective here for Golden State. Right now, Golden State and Memphis are tied for uh, a, a tied for the for the eighth seed. So the Warriors um, right now thirty three and thirty three. The Grizzlies are thirty two and thirty two. But I just want to talk about the show Steph Curry's been putting on uh, f- f- on a night in nine out basis, and he's it, what is, he's averaging thirty seven points a game since the start of April. I mean, what is going on here, Steph Curry? And and, and you can argue a lot of things about uh, about Michael Jordan and, and all the things and, and the accolades and praise I've given about the, the about um Michael about LeBron James. But but the greatest the the one of the most impactful players in the history of the NBA is Steph Curry, one of the most in, intellect, influential players in NBA history is Steph Curry, and, and he he set a new NBA record last night from for fewest games needed for three hundred five or three uh, made three pointers in a season in in just in just fifty eight games, and. That is just sensational, sensational stuff from Steph Curry, and and the, the former the former MVP has been playing at an MVP caliber level. And I I, I argue Nikola Jokic and CP3 as top two, but there are plenty of, of names to look at in the MVP conversation if it wasn't if it wasn't for those guys. So I I, I just think Golden State is is tremendous and. And, and the and the rapport between everyone in with with Golden State is so so much fun to watch from a Golden State fan's perspective. 
So I want to get into um, a, a, a few, three more topics uh, before we finish. And they're all going to be brief. And I want to get into the Yankees and the Astros. Uh, and the, the first game since... Uh, the Astros were called, uh, since we all found out about the cheating fraud Astros scandal from the 2019 season, uh, uh, going back to 2017, in, in, in which in which the baseball world was turned upside down. Uh, the the Yan- Yankees fans were adamant last night that they they made they made their reaction to to the cheating fraud Astros known loudly and and. Uh, I've been watching a ba- baseball uh, uh, f- for a while, and, and even since COVID, that that was the loudest I heard a baseball stadium since the end of the 2019 season. Seriously, the, the Yankees fans booing Jose Altuve every time he stepped up to the plate, and that's going to happen tonight and tomorrow as well when it, when he goes out again for uh, f- for for the Astros, but. But the the, the the Yankees fans were into it the entire game, and and I can say this as a Mets fan that that was fantastic work by by the Yankees and and, and their fans. And the Yankees needed to win last night. They they needed to win that game last night uh, for a morale boost, and and that's what happened. Giancarlo Stanton hit a home run. Um, that and Stan had four hits, including three RBIs. And, and 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 this was after the Astros had hit a couple of home runs there, one by Bregman, one by Correa, and one that Alvarez near uh, just missed a home run on. Uh, but 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 the uh, but the, the Yankees went on to win, and, and the bullpen was fantastic. So that there is a lot of positive things uh, to go around if you're a fan of the New York Yankees. Uh, uh, going to this, and by the way, the Yankees have been playing well. The Yankees have been uh, uh, after that terrible stretch to start. They they have been playing Yankee baseball the last th- three weeks, uh, like last two weeks for that matter. The rotation has got uh, the back of the rotation behind Garrett Cole has been much better. The the the, the Yankees are starting to hit. John Carlston is now batting two ninety seven on the season after starting. Uh, in in the one hundreds, Glaber Torres has been hitting. Aaron Judge has been hitting. Uh, um, so th- there there is a lot of positives to go around for the Yankees, and we're going to have to see how how it holds up. Will the Yankees be a streaky team and all that? I still think they're the second best team in the American League behind the Chicago White Sox, and a team like the Oakland A's is a team to, uh, to look at as well. The A's have been tremendous as well. But I just think there's a lot of positives to to spin around if you're a fan of the New York Yankees. So I promised to get into some Jim Dolan talk with the Rangers. Well, this was this was a breaking news story, which I I couldn't believe my eyes when I first saw this. Was that the New York Rangers fired team president Bob Davidson and general manager Jeff Gordon um, after the Rangers missed the playoffs for the third consecutive year. And and the the fact that that Jim Dorn uh, is hinting at three games against the Islanders, the New York Islanders, the 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 little brother New York Islanders, uh to to to, um, to fi- as justification to fire uh, Gordon and Davidson, and and spoiler, David Quinn's going to be next. 
the, the fact the, the fact that Jim Dolan references those three games and watching the Islanders embarrass the Rangers on their home turf, I think that says something about 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 the status of, of, of the two teams as, 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 and the two owners and. And Jim Dolan, that was such a a short sighted approach and and such a quick trigger. So, but but look at the, what the Rangers did after Jeff Gordon committed uh, to rebuilding in February of 2018. That that the Rangers had top two lottery picks. The uh, had lottery uh, uh, got lucky in the lottery each of the last. Uh, two uh, two times around, they drafted Capocaco, they drafted Alex La uh, Lafriere with with the first overall pick last year, and they also added they and, and and have you seen the Rangers since the start of March uh, with Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad, or, or Panarin? But I I just think that this this season was a was a big big mess. For, for the New York Rangers. Now, uh, th- this this was not uh, a, a knack on the process by any stretch of the imagination, but there were so many things that that happened this season. And and, and Molly Walker on Twitter um, d- uh, d- described everything with with the coaching staff getting COVID. Uh, the t- the team taking the uh, taking the uh, heat as the last team to release a statement during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. Keandre M- Miller met uh, with with r- racial slurs. The the Tom Wilson fiasco f- from Monday night. Panarin taking a leave of absence d- due to a political hit piece from Russia. And and the, the, I thought the way the Rangers approached the Tom Wilson situation from Monday night was just brilliant. Uh, that 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 that, you know, that they think that that the NHL completely ignored Tom Wilson, and wouldn't wouldn't it be something if the NHL actually waited um, for Tom, uh, until the Stanley Cup playoffs to, to suspend Tom Wilson? That would be the ultimate karma for, for the Washington Capitals. But uh, that that's what I would do if I if I was a commissioner. But you know, I'm not the commissioner. Uh, uh, but uh, but the. But the firing of those of those two who who are instru- who were both uh, equally instrumental in the Rangers being where they are in terms of of how bright their future is, that is a friendly reminder. As good as the Knicks have been, the 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 short sighted uh, approaches from Jim Dolan will always be a, a scary spot. If you're a fan of the Knicks, or if you are a fan of the Rangers, and and, and it, it's funny that, that that the Knicks winning basketball games and actually putting the, uh, actually having a real coach, actually having real players aboard, that 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 the Knicks winning masks everything about uh, about about how fans feel with Jim Dolan as the owner. So the the Rangers are uh, the the Rangers. I I just cannot. Believe, uh, and, th- and there were uh, opposing general managers that had no clue what what they were doing. So if a team if if a team fires a general manager right now, guess who the first name uh, on 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 the list is going to be? Jeff Gordon. That is uh, that is just clueless. I mean, remember when when the when the uh, I I remember when when the 49ers fired Jim Harbaugh after the 2014 season. I remember how south that that went. Remember when 
Um, the, the, Chicago, the Chicago Bulls uh, cluelessly fired Tom Thibodeau. I I think I think Jim I think Jim Dolan Thibodeau Jeff Gordon Jeff Jim Dolan Thibodeau um, John Davidson. That is how I view the, the this entire situation. And it sucks to be a Rangers fan today. If you are a Rangers fan, you have to be livid. And I'm not sure who you boo at first, Jim Dolan or Tom Wilson. This is an honest question for Rangers fans to be asking themselves right now. Who to boo first, Tom Wilson or Jim Dolan? That's the question that 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 could be questionable for. The Rangers, and I would, I, I wouldn't bat an eye if it was Jim Dolan. I wouldn't buy if Rangers fans said, you know what, let 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 let's let the Tom Wilson fiasco uh, go by, and let's go for Jim Dolan, be- because J- John Davidson was as good as it gets for uh, for the Rangers, and Jeff Gordon for for the situation the Rangers were in were as good as it gets, and. If if Jim Dolan uh, uh, gets into the hockey operations department, I think Rangers fans have no hope, and, and Rangers fans know f- from watching the Knicks that Jim Dolan uh, uh, re- represents no hope. So <laughs> that there's there's going to be a lot of questions to be asked here about why uh, the, uh why Jim Dolan pu- pulled the trigger here. But if if the Islanders are the reason uh, that those guys were fired? I just mean, yeah, it, it 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 it's it's a refreshing day for the another refreshing day for the Islanders and a not not another day of turmoil and pathetic disaster for the New York Rangers. And finally, in horse racing, Bob Baffert does it again, seventh time Kentucky Derby winner, pulling it out on on Saturday afternoon, well with Medina Spirit and. And what was a surprising Kentucky Derby win for for Bob Baffert? He was uh, Medina Spear was a twelve to one uh, twelve to one long shot with John Velasquez uh, winning his fourth Kentucky Derby in in in, his, in the last eleven years. He is that that he he also won last year with Authentic along with Baffert. But yeah, you you, you can hate Baffert all you want and. <laughs> It's it's funny that the Boo Birds came out for Bob Baffert when he was presented with the uh, when Medina Spirit was presented with the roses, but Bob Baffert it, to me is the single greatest trainer in the history of North American thoroughbred horse racing. J- Bob Baffert he he he's won two triple crowns, one with one with them um, with um, <coughs> Justify, and he won one with American Pharaoh. And he he also came close with with three other race uh, uh three other horses and silver charm real quiet and warm emblem, but 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 it, it, here we are in twenty twenty one and Bob Baffert continues to train the single best horses uh, and make makes them um uh, look, look like geniuses and the and the final Kentucky Derby time was two minutes and one second I I thought that was a fantastic time for. Kentucky Derby standards, and, and now with the essential quality not running into Preakness, I think there is a realistic opportunity that 
uh, uh, that Medina Sphere go- goes into the Belmont in, in uh, 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 one month from now with a chance to win the Triple Crown. I would not be surprised if Medina Sphere wins the Preakness by by five lengths on uh, a week from Saturday. That that's how confident I am about Medina Spirit because because no, knowing that that Medina Spirit is the type of horse that is really hard to catch and. Entering the race, no no horses had ever caught up to Medina Spirit, but but Medina Spirit ha- has has something special in him. He, he might he might not be at uh, the, the the physical numbers might not be at, as uh, as as terrorizing as other Triple Crown winners, but yeah, uh, th- this is a horse that can absolutely uh, that absolutely would take the first two legs of the Triple Crown and. And and that's what I think Medina Spirit can do, and that's what I think Medina Spirit will do. So, I I, I just think uh, that that th- this is a tremendous tremendous accomplishment for Mr. Bafford, and tremendous a tremendous job of with all the owners and 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 by the way, perfect trip from John Velasquez uh, t- uh, to to win the Kentucky Derby. That that he <clears throat> that he 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 set a tone early. He made the rest of the horses react to, to it, and. and uh, and uh, there, there were about four or five horses uh, th- that that made a case late, but about uh, Medina Spirit kept kept fighting them, uh, fighting them all off. So, I I, I think Medina Spirit is absolutely on the short track, uh, on the short track to uh, go ahead and and potentially win a, a third Triple Crown in seven years for Bob Baffert after the, the entire sport going thirty six years without one. I just mean that 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 would be something special, right? That'll do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. And remember to follow this podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at Hooked underscore on Sports. Follow me on Twitter at JohnFlynn97 and on Instagram at JFlizzy. So until next time, this is John Flynn saying so long and I'll be back here on the podcast next week. So long, everybody.